Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. In a normal year, we'd be counting down the days until pitchers and catchers report at spring training in Fort Myers as the Twins gear up for the 2022 campaign. But uh, we're still in lockout mode and... When is it all going to end? When are we going to get back to the business of baseball and teams uh, fill out their rosters and we get ready for spring training in the start of the upcoming season? Scott Miller has covered the major leagues for a long time. Good enough to join us. Scott, how you been? Real good, Steve. How about yourself? Yeah, I wish the news was better on uh, <laughs> the MLB front, but it, it just sounds like they're kind of stuck in the mud. Yeah, it's really disappointing. Uh, I, I, I mean, there's no way spring training starts on time. If, the only way spring training starts on time is if uh, there's an agreement, like by Monday or Tuesday, and, and right now they're not even scheduled to meet over the weekend. The owners' meetings are next week, um, so the owners will huddle and decide what they want to do next. But, yeah, I mean, they call the lockout on December 2nd. There's only been three meetings in which they've discussed what, what's referred to as the core economic issues, which are the most important stuff, the meat and potatoes of, of a potential deal. You know, it has to do with things like the luxury tax threshold and, uh, um, you know, um, uh, you know all the, that kind of stuff, free agency, arbitration, uh, younger players getting paid a little sooner since free agency's changed, all, all that important stuff. There's been three in-person meetings since December 2nd. So, you know, I don't know. The best we can hope for, I think, now the real deadline is going to be late February, early March to get a deal done so that spring training can open up by the second or so week of March so that opening day can be on time. And that's not even a given right now. Yeah, and Scott, there's an economic ripple effect. The, The communities down in Florida... Yep. And, and certainly the Phoenix metro area, this is a big deal. Hotels, meals, et cetera. There is an economic impact. And then ultimately, it, it's not been a good couple of years for the owners and players. And that's why I can't figure out why, you know, maybe take a break for the holidays. But then in January, get down to business, get something done, and give something to the fans. Because ultimately what fans want is they want to be able to go to the ballpark, whether it's in Florida or down in Arizona, catch a game on the radio or on TV, and then get to the ballparks when the season opens uh, in late March, early April. I mean, people just want the game. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, what I think is going to happen, Steve, in terms of public reaction, I mean, already, obviously, every time this happens, the fans get disgusted. There hasn't been much outcry yet, at least in my opinion, because – you know, it's still the dead of winter, and football season's been going on, and people have been watching the NFL playoffs have been great. Um, you know, the Olympics started now. But what's what, what's going to happen, I think, is the Super Bowl's a week from tomorrow. And so what's going to happen then is 
fans are going to wake up a week from this upcoming Monday, uh, you know, still stuffed from all the Cheetos and hot dogs and whatever <laughs> they've eaten at their Super Bowl party. And that's going to be it. Football is going to be over. And what happens after the Super Bowl is you wake up and you begin to look for spring training. I think that is when fans are going to realize what's going on and the anger and the uh, outcry is going to start in earnest. Yeah, and even at uh, MLB.com, the the league's website, uh, Major League Baseball Players Association declined MLB's request for federal mediators to assist in the labor negotiations between the two sides. MLB made its request Thursday, seeking assistance from the Federal Mediation and Conciliation Service to help move the negotiations toward a new collective bargaining agreement. And and to me, that statement alone says that ownerships, representatives, and players' uh, representatives aren't seeing eye to eye, that if you need to bring in a third party to figure this out, that that is a sad state of affairs. I, I just think it circles back around to what we talked about at the beginning, that ultimately if, if they can't figure out, considering that the game has taken some hits, we, we all know about COVID-19, and then just the on-the-field stuff, pays to play that we talk about over and over, Scott, that you know the game has challenges, and billionaires and millionaires fighting about money shouldn't be happening right now it's a really bad look well it is and you know i mean two years ago in 2020 with with covid uh we we were all on lockdown and they played that 60 game season without fans uh in front of the cardboard cutouts i mean that year uh 2020 i mean there should have been more than a 60 game season that year but all this ugliness between the players and owners uh you know it flared up then so this is three years now at least of bad blood between the players and owners and i mean i i have been of the mind that they'll figure this out because in 2020 with that 60 game season both sides lost millions of dollars and rationally thinking i don't see how either side after losing millions in 2020 would then allow a situation to happen where in 2022 they're going to lose millions more when they just lost millions. So you would have thought they would have figured some things out. You know, there's still time to save the beginning of the season, but with each passing day, it's beginning to look like, wait a minute, you mean they are going to be selfish, greedy, and stupid enough to lose some more money after they just lost in 2020, and it's beginning to look like they are. And, and Scott, it's a much more crowded sports landscape than the yeah. last work stoppage in the 90s, and they lost the World Series, and we all know what happened after that. And then uh, McGuire and Sosa brought people back to the game and so on and so forth. But now you, you have a lot more interest in Major League Soccer that league yep. has grown by leaps and bounds. It is now a player. They're gearing up to start their season, and, and they're funneling a, a younger audience away from MLB. We know the, the average age of a fan of Major League Baseball is, is the oldest in sports. So so now you have that. You also have competition 
for a younger audience as well for the WNBA in the summer. You have the USFL starting up. Who knows if that's going to work? But but the sports landscape is completely different than it was the last time. I, I just think the owners and the players are miscalculating badly at this moment. And you're right. There's still time because pitchers and catchers aren't scheduled to report yet. You hit the nail on the head. After the Super Bowl and we get to that hour where it's like, we should be talking about spring training. We should be talking about now the 26-man roster. What's it going to look like? Do we have a chance to contend? That should be going on in every major league city, and it won't be. No, exactly right. And, um, you know, you you hit on one of the things, too. Do we have a chance to contend? And that's one of the players' grievances and one of the things. They want to see some some of the system restructured. You know, almost bring in like an NBA style lottery uh, because the players are banging away at the owners on competitive integrity, and I think they have a point on that. You know, we've seen uh, the last several years, beginning with the Houston Astros a decade or so ago, uh, the, the whole notion of tanking in sports and in baseball, and and if you're not going to be able to win this year, if you think it's going to be a rebuilding year, then just strip things completely to the point where you're fielding a glorified minor league team for a few years, why and get some draft picks and rebuild. And you know the players, rightfully so, I think, are like, look, this is the major leagues. Everybody should be competitive. You know, you shouldn't have situations where, like we've had the last three years, the Baltimore Orioles have been re- tanking and rebuilding and have been. I mean, you know, you'd rather watch the Toledo Mudhens than the Baltimore Orioles, and, and the Orioles are the ones playing in a major league stadium, playing major league schedule, and charging major league ticket prices. And, um, you know, that's one of the issues the players are trying to address, that, that some owners are taking the, the luxury tax, the revenue-sharing money, and sticking it in their pockets and just pocketing it while rebuilding. And so the players would like to change the, the system um, you know, and I think eventually the system's going to be changed. It's just a question of how drastically. Well, and it, it all gets back, though, to one thing, and, and you touched on it, Scott, the fans, that yep. the owners and the players at this moment in time are losing sight of the fans, the lifeblood. There is no game. There, there is no television ratings, and as a result, no television income. You know, people listening on the radio, in the radio revenue, and in the ballpark revenue, if if they continue to to lose fans, then what do they have? And and that that's the biggest point of all. In those markets where they're not trying, the NFL is looking at, you know, facing a scandal right now, where owners actually giving bonuses to coaches to tank games. What does that say to the fans? Um, yeah, it, yeah, it's pathetic. Yeah, and you, and you brought up the Orioles example, and there are, and there are other clubs. You know, are they trying to put a competitive team on the field? And I think you know, as as more fans, I mean, if you're an Orioles fan, based on what you've seen on the field, for example, how, how do you how do you send in your season ticket renewal? Based on on the product on the field, that that that'd be a tough call. Oh yeah, if you send in your season ticket renewal to the Orioles right now, you're a moron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and and the thing is, you know, when teams go through this, it also it's not just the here and now, but it affects the future of the game because what happens? Say, take the Orioles example. 
I mean, they've been unwatchable now for about four years. So what happens when when you look at the young fans, they're not necessarily the ones spending any money yet. But if you are a young boy or girl in the Baltimore area, say, you know, pick an a pick a like say third or fourth grade, um, when the when the tanking started, now you're in seventh or eighth grade, and like not only has your local team, the Orioles, been losing, but they've been unwatchable. I mean, how many of those kids in that age group say? Again, just picking randomly, but say third to seventh grade. Say, say right now the kids are seventh or eighth grade. I mean, how many of them over the last four or five years have stopped paying attention to the Orioles or stopped paying attention to Major League Baseball because it's been so bad in their home market, intentionally bad, you know? And, and I mean, in terms of we hear about growing the game, that's not a way to grow the game. That's a way to kill the game. Yeah, it, it, exactly, and it, and I, and I think teams can go through rebuilding modes, but just blatantly tanking and not making any attempt or or giving the fans a, a blueprint for for a game plan where it's kind of like okay, uh, we got so far, um, we're we're going to move in a d- new direction, but but that seems to be an example of of a ship with no rudder and. I think that's where fans really fall. And and I, I just think, once again, from an outsider's perspective, I, I've been a fan my entire life. Uh, we, we carry the Twins here on News Talk, E3OWCCO. I just think right now the players and owners are, are missing something. And 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 right now they, they, they've got to get together. They've got to get a deal worked out because – People don't want to hear about these money issues. That's what's so frustrating. And I know we're talking about it on the radio, but I think it it's imperative that you know the, the the fans say, "Look, enough is enough. Get a deal done. Get back on the field. Let's go." Right. And 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 you're right. I mean, baseball should not have even let it get to the situation where people like you and I have to talk about this on the radio. I mean, you, back to your earlier point, we ought to be talking right now saying you know what we're we're only about 10 days away from twins pitchers and catchers uh, showing up in fort myers and you know what about the twins this year what about that you know how are the indians re, you know how, how are they going to be they're not as good as they've been and good guardians yeah. look like can the white Sox continue their forward progress i mean that's all the stuff we should be talking about fans should be getting excited um but instead i mean not only is there no news because by virtue of the lockout uh, everything's on pause, so you don't have any free agents. You don't have any roster building. You know the Twins haven't added anybody to their major league roster, obviously, since December first or second when uh, when the lockout went into effect. So it's been a long dead period. No no teams added to their roster, and then beyond that, um, you know there, there, there's there, there's nothing to talk about except. This, the business of the game, which nobody wants to hear because, you know, guys <laughs> right. like you and me and everybody listening, you know, we're trying to put worried about our own economic situation. We're trying to put food on the table for our families. Everybody listening is trying to, you know, going to have to get up and go to work Monday morning and work at a real job. And, and, and you know, nobody, nobody wants to hear any of this in baseball, especially when an industry that right up until COVID – was making revenues of like $11 billion a year. Yeah, 
it, it, it's just imperative to get it done. You know, listen to the fans. Get something done. You know, get it out of the headlines. Get in a room. Stay in that room until you can hammer this thing out. Scott, always good to visit with you. Uh, hopefully by the next time we visit, there's some positive news in this front, and then we can start talking about what the twin starting rotation is going to look like in 22. I would love that, and I know you yeah. would too, as would everybody listening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How, how are they going to fill out that, that starting rotation? All right, Scott, take care. You too, Steve. Thank you. All right, Scott Miller has covered the major leagues for a long time, uh, joins us from California today. We're going to check that leaderboard. AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, they're getting to the end of the third round. It is a crowded leaderboard, some big names uh, showing up on that leaderboard as well. After 5.30, speaking of California, NASCAR gets started Sunday with the clash at the L.A. Memorial Coliseum. Reed Spencer will join us from L.A. to talk about that event. They built a track literally on the floor of the Coliseum. We will talk about that. Then, of course, uh, the countdown to the Daytona 500 is underway as well. Reed Spencer at about 535 here on News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O. Some news over from the U, Golden Gopher women's hockey. They go for the sweep today against Bemidji State at Ritter Arena. Golden Gopher men's hockey. They go for the sweep against Michigan State tonight at 3M Arena at Mariucci. They both won their games last night. Minnesota 7-0 on the women's side. The men beat Sparty 4-2. A busy day tomorrow for... Golden Gold for basketball. The men are on the road at Iowa. 3.30 start. The women home against Michigan State at the barn tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Timberwolves are idle. They host Detroit in a matinee. It's Crunch's birthday. Our coverage begins at 2 with Gal Soderquist. Alan Horton with the play-by-play after 2.30. The Timberwolves have won three in a row, and they've Got a good opportunity to get on a streak. Detroit tomorrow at home. And then they play in Sacramento on Tuesday and Wednesday night before they play the Bulls in Chicago on Friday night. Uh, The Wild in the All-Star break. Kirill Kaprizov and Cam Talbot were there. They made it all the way to the championship game. They split it up by divisions. Play three-on-three Central against Metropolitan. The Metros won it 5-3. Uh, the Wild resume play Tuesday on the road at Winnipeg. One of the big stories, Kevin Fiala on a 12-game point streak. Nine goals, seven assists, 16 points in those 12 games. And they have won six in a row, so they are hot coming out of the break. We'll see if that trend continues. PGA Tour, Pebble Beach, AT&T, Pebble Beach Pro-Am. And uh, there's some names showing up on the leaderboard. Bo Hostler, Andrew Putnam, Tom Hoagie from Fargo, all at 15 under par. Hoagie's been playing very well uh, so far this season. Patrick Cantlay, Joel Dahman, Seamus Power, the uh, second-round leader at 14 under par. Jordan Spieth, all alone at 12 under par. He's sitting in seventh. And let's see what else. Jason Day has fallen a bit down the leaderboard. He's at 10 under par. A large group at 10 under par. Troy Merritt, he's at minus 9. 
and he's fallen down the leaderboard a little bit. But uh, should be a good finish at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am on Sunday. One of my favorite spots on tour. Uh, hard Hard to argue with the scenery at Pebble Beach for sure. We're going to take a break. We'll have an update on the weather. And then we'll talk NASCAR because things gearing up. It's February, Daytona 500. But they're, they're going to have the clash. And it's sort of an all-star race. And they're doing it at the L.A. Memorial Coliseum. They built a track on the floor of the L.A. Coliseum. Reed Spencer will join us from L.A. with a preview of that and the upcoming season in a moment. Here on News Talk, E3-O-W-C-C-O. It is a Saturday afternoon, 5.32. It's still light out. That is called progress. It is still light out at 5.32. Uh, (laughs) So uh, we're inching ever closer to spring in these parts. And, uh, well, uh, we we, we know it never snows in Southern California, and that's where NASCAR is uh, for the clash this year at the L.A. Memorial Coliseum. And to tell us all about this special event, Reed Spencer NASCAR Wire Service, and Reed's good enough to join us from time to time and talk motorsports. And uh, Reed, got to be fun in L.A., and it's really got to be cool to see the L.A. Coliseum set up as a motorsports venue. I mean, it's pretty unbelievable um, what we're seeing, uh, you know, with the, with the cars on the track practice and everything like that. And, of course, we've got a, a beautiful spring day here in L.A., which it's up in the mid to high 70s, uh, not a cloud in the sky, and we're really enjoying it. So uh, I sympathize with the winter, but <laughs> we're enjoying L.A. right now. Oh, I believe it. Now, how did this come to be? Because uh, the Clash has been uh, a part of Speed Weeks and the lead-up to the Daytona 500 for a long time, but uh, Powers at B decided to give the Coliseum a try, and it's getting a lot of publicity, and there seems to be a lot of excitement around this event. Well, as as one of uh, one of the NASCAR executives from the West Coast just said to us, this is the most buzz we've had about a race um, like this in quite a long time. I think the I think the um, the clash at Daytona, since it preceded the Daytona 500 and was run on the same track, had lost a bit of its luster. And I think NASCAR felt like it was time to do something different with the clash. And this is radically different. I mean, you've got a quarter of a mile paved track in the middle of the L.A. Coliseum, which dates to 1923 and it's, it hosted two Olympic games so far, the USC Trojans, of course, um, and and some more motorsports um, activity in the past. Back in the 40s, they ran on midgets on board tracks here. They've run the stadium supercross. They've run the, the, the super trucks here, um, you know, coming down the stairs through the pellet peristyles, all that. But this is really a departure for NASCAR. And from what we've seen so far and from the re- reaction that we've had from the drivers to practice this morning, it's been amazing. I mean, this is going to be an event. We ran into um, two women on a, on a bus last night back to our hotel um, who had flown all the way from Miami to come out here just to see this. And, you know, that being said, Approximately 70% of the crowd that have bought tickets so far, and ticket sales have been brisk, 
um, are people who have never been to a NASCAR race before. So it's bringing NASCAR to a center city and to fans who have never been exposed to NASCAR racing other than perhaps on television. Yeah, and Reed, this is something that a lot of people who love the sport said they needed to do, is to start to take some chances and go in some new directions. I'm not saying the sport was stale because I've always been a big fan, but, you know, too many of the cookie-cutter mile-and-a-halves and the schedule itself had become stale, and they've started to take some more chances. I believe it's paid dividends. Oh, enormous. I mean, each year the schedule gets a little more ambitious in terms of going to new venues. For instance, um, Xfinity Series this year is going out to Portland, Oregon. Um, we went to Road America with the Cup Series right. last year for the first time. Um, going to Worldwide Technology Raceway in Madison, Illinois, just outside of St. Louis this year. First time for the Cup Series. So, I mean, NASCAR is expanding its footprint. Um, it's gravitating more from the southeast to, um, you know, now, now I, I sense a lot more nexus in the Midwest and on the West Coast. And, and this is a perfect example. I mean, they haven't raced here in California since um, before COVID shut the sport down back in March of 2020. Uh, so this is, this is a return to the West Coast and something that I think they're going to use as a blueprint for future expansion. I mean, we we even heard a wild hair about maybe racing in Wembley Stadium in London at some point. So, you know, I, I wouldn't put that off the tape. Yeah, and, and, and why not? There, there, there was a rumor I saw, and maybe you can put this to rest, but uh, the, the Speedway in Fontana, the two-mile track, that, that there were going to be some renovations there, that there was talk about maybe turning that into a, a, a short track. Can, can you speak to that, or, or what's the situation there in Fontana? Absolutely. I mean, it, it currently is a two-mile track. It's going um, to host the race after um, Daytona. And, but the, plan, the long-term plan is, you know, pending all the approvals necessary to do so, the, pin, the the plan is to turn it into a half mile short track. We just um, we just had a conversation with um, the president of Fontana Speedway, and that is that is the long term plan. It was put on hold to some extent because of COVID, mm. and but but that is you know that is the long term prospect for the property. Um, they may continue to race on the two mile, which they are maintaining. Um, until they can get everything in place to get the short track done. But as I say, um, the future there is a half-mile short track. Wow. Uh, And once again, changes continue to come to the schedule. So the clash. Uh, Tell us about the format a little bit, what we're going to see on television tomorrow, because I'm really looking forward to this because this is a, a true short track. A lot of folks here in the upper Midwest are, are familiar with, uh, you know, the, the, the quarter-mile dirt track. There, there are some quarter-mile asphalt tracks that have been in existence here in the upper Midwest. There's a lot of great Rays fans. Um, but th- this, is, uh, th- this is unique for NASCAR to be on a real short track like this, a quarter-mile. Yeah, yeah, in the modern era of NASCAR since 1972, no NASCAR race has been held on a track this short. 
it is less than half the length of Martinsville Speedway, which is 0.526 miles. So this is a this is a true quarter mile. It's got very tight turns, but it is asphalt, and um, it, and it's brand new asphalt. I mean, the, they started they broke ground on this track on December 21st, and so they've gotten it in place in re, in a remarkable timeline. Um, what's going to happen today on Saturday? They qualify single car qualifying to determine starting positions for four heat races, which will precede the main event. The, the top four in those four heats advance automatically to the clash. Um, then they have two last chance qualifiers, and the top three in each of those last chance qualifiers advance to the clash. And then there's one provisional spot open for the highest in points last year who's not otherwise qualified for the clash. So it's going to be a 23-car field um, when they when they take the green flag uh, on Sunday night. And then there's going to be uh, there's 70, 75 laps, then a break, then another 75 laps to finish. So it's a 150-lap race, 37.5 miles total. That doesn't seem like a long race, but um, caution laps don't count. And so... Um, only green, uh, and, and if there are a lot of cautions and there's a lot of beating and banging, which I expect there will be because the way to pass here is to root somebody out of the way. And, you know, that being the case, it could be a relatively long evening with cautions and and the inevitable spins that we're going to see on a short track. Yeah, it, it is really going to be cool. I can hardly wait. Uh, for this, and it really, it sets the table beautifully, in my opinion, to head back down to Florida and gear up for the Great American Race in the Daytona 500. That that's absolutely right because it couldn't be any more radically different than what fans are going to see at Daytona, which is obviously one of the bigger tracks at two and a half miles, a super speedway with a completely different um, super speedway competition package with the new next-gen car, which is debuting here at the Clash, and which the drivers uh, seem to be very praiseworthy of because um, it, it seems to turn better through the corners than the Gen 6 car, which preceded it, which was raced last year. A number of drivers have said that um, they don't think that they could have gotten last year's car to turn the way this one is on a tight corner like we've got here at, um, at, at the LA Coliseum. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. All right, prediction time. I'm going to go out on a limb. Kyle Larson wins the clash. <laughs> well, I tell you what, um, <laughs> fastest in practice this morning was Kyle Larson's teammate, uh, Chase uh-huh. Elliott. And so I think Chase is going to be one of the um, – one of the contenders for sure. I think Larson will be too. But my personal pick, I have Chase as my second pick. My pick to win it all is Kyle Busch because Kyle Busch has a knack for doing things for the first time. He was the first person to win in the car of tomorrow in 2007. Uh, He's the first person to deliver Toyota its first NASCAR Cup Series victory at Atlanta in 2008. He's got 59 cup wins and points races, which is most among active drivers. And he's the only driver in the field with more than one championship, the only, only active driver right now with, with more than one cup championship. So 
and 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 he has got a knack for racing on short tracks as well. He has won just about every important, significant super late model event staged in America. So so my pick is Kyle Busch. My long shot is Eric Jones, who practiced very well today and who actually beat Kyle Busch in the Snowball Derby a few years ago to gain the notoriety that ultimately got him a cup ride. All right, finally, Reed, did, did they even bother bringing the Air Titans to the L.A. Coliseum? No. No, they, they, all, all, all they've got is a sweeper. The weather, the weather forecast is for beautiful weather, uh, beautiful, sunny L.A. weather. And I, amazingly enough, skies are clear. Something happened to the smog in L.A. because it's not here anymore. But, um, but I'll tell you, the buzz around the race, around town, is, is pretty amazing. I mean, even Bill Maher on his show opened it with, uh, with a joke about, you know, NASCAR coming to the L.A. Coliseum, you know, noting that at least traffic in L.A. will be moving somewhere for once. Yeah. Uh, but, but the, uh, uh, I mean, it's a, it's an amazing event here, and of course we've got you know we've got other entertainment. Pitbull is opening the the show tomorrow night with a forty five minute set. Ice Cube is doing a is is doing a set between the two segments of the race. Uh, got a DJ spinning records during the cautions. Kareem Abdul Jabbar is is one of the uh, one of the grand marshals here. So nice. So, I mean, it's going to be a happening. Well, and on top of it, the timing couldn't be better. No football tomorrow, and it's the start of Super Bowl week in L.A. So it, the timing is just ideal for this event, and it's a great kickoff for NASCAR. Great, great no kickoff. No question about it. No yeah. question. I mean, it's between the, the Rams home game and the NFC Championship and the Super Bowl also at SoFi Stadium. Yeah, well, great stuff as always, Reed. Good to visit with you. Enjoy your time in L.A. Enjoy the clash. I, I will certainly tune into that uh, tomorrow and tomorrow night. And uh, Fox will have a ton of coverage, correct? Oh, yes, they will. All right, so uh, Fox uh, just about all day. And, of course, uh, the main uh, tomorrow night uh, from the L.A. Coliseum. Uh, take care, Reed. Absolutely, Steve. Good to be with you. All right, there he is, Reed Spencer. Uh, so he's got Kyle Busch with, with Chase Elliott. I, I, I think Kyle Larson in the year he had a year ago, uh, he, he, he's won everywhere as well. He, he is my pick, so we'll see how that plays out. Um, 14 minutes now in front of six uh, here at News Talk, A3OWCCO. We'll come back. We'll talk some of the sports headlines and uh, say goodbye. Once again, Kerry Clatt doing an outstanding job, as always, as our producer, here on News Talk, E3OWCCO. From Ritter Arena, Minnesota leading Bemidji State 4-2, the number one ranked Golden Gopher women's hockey team going for the sweep there. Their regular season winding down very quickly. Tonight at 3M Arena at Mariucci, uh, Minnesota men go for the sweep against Michigan State. They were 4-2 winners last night. Go for women's hoops tomorrow at the barn, 2 o'clock. Michigan State in town, the men on the road at Iowa at 3.30. Let's see if we can catch a leaderboard out at Pebble Beach. Lovely day at Pebble Beach. Little, little cool, 59 degrees. I'm wondering what 59 degrees feels like. I, I don't remember. Um, but 
you know, by California standards, you know, sunny in 59. A little cool. Bo Hosler, Andrew Putnam, Tom Hoagie, all at 15 under par. Jordan Spieth right in it. He's at 13 under par, playing 18 at Pebble Beach. So Jordan Spieth could be a factor come Sunday. Uh, Troy Merritt got to 10 under par. He's in a tie for 10th now. So he rallied with a birdie late to get to 10 under. So he has a chance for a top 10. Right now, Troy Merritt sitting at 55 in the FedEx Cup standing. So pretty solid start to his 22 season. Starts in the fall, and that always throws me off. I I never gotten used to that. Um, the, this new it used to be the fall finish. After the PGA Championship, you'd kind of have those fall finish events. Well, now they have the PGA in May, and the final major is the Open. Now they have the FedEx Cup playoffs, and then that's it. And then maybe you have a Ryder Cup or a President's Cup. And then the new season starts in the fall, and I, I just haven't gotten used to that fact yet. For me, it starts with the uh, Tournament of Champions out in Hawaii at the first of the year. I'm just sticking to my guns on it. Uh, What else is happening? Timberwolves idle today. Back at it tomorrow. Should be a fun matinee at Target Center. Timberwolves try to win four in a row. They should be able to beat Detroit. Uh, They need to get it done. Then they go on the road play two at Sacramento before... uh, ending the week Friday night in Chicago with the Bulls. So an opportunity for the Timberwolves to grow that winning streak uh, tomorrow at home on Crunch's birthday. Should be a lot of kids in attendance. Should be fun. 2 o'clock pregame, Cal Soderquist, and then Alan Horton with all the play-by-play. Alan's phenomenal, and uh, we'll have another game. and We'll have them all here, including the playoffs, here on the home of the Timberwolves. Uh, the Wild... They're idle. It's All-Star Weekend. They were out in Vegas. Uh, they played matinees today, and the Central Division made it all the way to the championship of that three-on-three tournament, including Cam Talbot in goal and Kirill Kaprizov. And the Central Division got beat by the Metropolitan Division in the final 5-3. to three. But it was still pretty entertaining. I had it on the monitor here in the studio. They went up and down three-on-three. Uh, three. But uh, the Metro's... Beat the Central of the Wild, a resume with the Winnipeg Jets in Canada on Tuesday night. And storyline, Kevin Fiala, he's on a 12-game point streak, 9 goals, 7 assists in 16 games. So uh, the Wild were hot going into the break. Hopefully they can keep that trend going as they continue to move up the standings again in the Central Division. Uh, they trail Colorado, but they have games in hand. With, with the teams around them in the standings. I think they were third at the break, but they have plenty of games in hand. So, it, in my opinion, if you break it all down, they trail only Colorado in the division, considering games on hand. And, and really, with the way the schedule has gone, it's it's the points average per game that, that really matters. And I wish they would publish that first, in, instead of maybe the overall points, or, or even the record. It, it's the points per game average that that is meaningful when it, when it comes to playoff and playoff positioning. All right, thanks all around. Uh, right out of the gate, Doug Swinhart with Tech Talk. 
Uh, we had a lot of texts, as always, on the program, and we're on the air every Saturday at 2 o'clock. Then Jace Frederick joined us from the Pioneer Press to talk about those Timberwolves and their good play as of late. And uh, the guys going to participate in All-Star Weekend, including Carl Anthony Towns, Jade McDaniels, and Anthony Edwards. Cat uh, playing in the big game. Uh, the other two playing in uh, the uh, Rising Stars game, All-Star Weekend in Cleveland. Stephen Clark from Space Flight Now, a lot of great info. Uh, there was a launch scheduled for Florida today, but it was scrubbed late. They'll try again tomorrow. We got an update on SpaceX and what's going on there. And the uh, Webb Telescope is in position to do some amazing things. Steve Carney took us outdoors. He's headed for Lake of the Woods. He's pretty excited about that. Bill Lackner, boys hockey coach at Hill Murray. Uh, marquee game tonight in high school sports. Hill Murray at Edina. Those two teams met at Aldrich and Maplewood last night. Hill Murray won it 4-3 to three in overtime. They'll drop, drop the puck tonight at 8 o'clock at Braemar. Any Edina, that should be a lot of fun. Matthew Collar from Purple Insider. Always learn a lot from Matthew Collar. Uh, they have a GM. They have a coach. A lot of work to be done uh, for the Minnesota Vikings and what this team will look like in fall of 2022. Will they be a contender? Will they try and rebuild on the fly? Are they going to take a step back? Who gets traded? Uh, there's a lot to do for the new general manager. And new head coach. Scott Miller covers MLB. And we talked about the lockout. Things don't look good right now. Um, be perfectly honest. On February 5th, I wish there was more optimism. But uh, the players and owners just aren't seeing eye to eye. And there's been a long stretch of labor peace. And Scott and I are in 100% agreement that for the good of the game, they've got to get this figured out sooner than later. Um you start dipping into spring training, and you you take that away from fans because it is meaningful. I, I think spring training games are meaningful in this part of the world. Uh, knowing that pitchers and catchers have reported and the Twins are getting ready, it, it's, it's important. And I, I think the players and owners should recognize they need to settle their economic differences and get it done quickly, and they need to get it done quietly, ideally, and and get things moving there. And then, of course, Reed Spencer from NASCAR Wire Service. Uh, the Clash at the L.A. Coliseum tomorrow, tomorrow night, the main event. That should be a lot of fun. And then, of course, the countdown to the Daytona 500 and Speed Weeks down in Florida. A big thanks to Carrie Klatt as well for her great work uh, keeping it out of the ditch. Our producer on the program today. Big thanks to Al Shock in the newsroom. Most of all, thanks to you for tuning in. It's always an honor. My name is Steve Thompson. Thanks so much. Enjoy your Saturday night. Have a great Sunday. We'll talk to you again down the road here on News Talk, E3OWCCO. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.